Hey everyone, it's Erica Henry, Network Pastor of Holy Districts, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. So I accidentally lied to you all a few weeks ago when I told you that I was done contributing to our Psalmish series. Turns out that there have been a couple changes in the schedules of our Holy District folks and some new announcements that I'm really excited to share with you. And so I get the opportunity to jump back in this series and do just that. Today we're going to be talking about a song that I just discovered in the last maybe month. It's called Count on Me by the Lone Bellow, and we'll get to listen to that in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to let you know that we're so excited to be adding another community pastor to the Holy District Network. Ellen Rupp is joining us. She is in State College, Pennsylvania, and will just be starting her journey there to begin doing some grassroots Jesus-centered community building. And so uh, I'm looking forward to introducing you all to her very similarly as we did when Brooke and Dan Norton launched their community building effort in Gilbert, Arizona. So that's coming up. But for now, we're going to listen to a song together and and then be honest, I don't... Man, God's been messing with me this week and I, I have this commitment. I'm going to kind of like let you all peek behind the curtain today. I have this commitment when it comes to sharing content and teaching that I really try hard not to talk about something or not to talk about anything that God hasn't like thoroughly like messed me up about so that I'm always coming to you from a very vulnerable, authentic place and really only talking about what I know and what I know to be true, not just intellectually, but experientially. And so I've been listening to this song the Lone Bellow uh, sings a song, Count on Me, and it's been doing something to me. I love it. it. It's like, I don't know, there's something about it that's just really energizing for me, and there's a depth to it that I feel when I listen to it, and it just has felt, you know, really meaningful, and it's it started me asking some questions about things like community and surrender and the nature of God, and the truth is that I... I'm not at a place where I've fully meditated or simmered with this to the point that I usually do when I bring something to you all. And I'm I'm totally okay with that. But I just I want to give you a heads up on that because I think maybe this podcast is going to be more of me asking questions with you and uh inviting you into a journey that I just literally started on in earnest this past week as I've been contemplating this song and kind of see where that takes us. So with that introduction, I'm asking you to just grab my hand and and walk with me. We'll listen to the song first and then I'll tell you a little bit of a story of what the song's been doing to me this week. Here it is. Count on me by the Lone Bellow. This world can take you Need an arm around your neck Somebody you can talk 
think I got everything Been a friend of trouble After losing it all I got nothing else to lose Let it drag you Let it help you lay down with your head on to Let it break you You can count on me, I can count on you Help you lay down with your head on to Help you lay down with your head on to Did that just make you want to dance? And I don't know. I was dancing when I was recording. I mean, I'm sitting here recording a podcast and it just moves me. I love this song. If you guys are um, into this sound, you should just check them out. They're uh, like, this is the Lone Bellow on Spotify. It's got some, some good ones that I've been jamming out to this week. So anyway, not that you need to know that. I, I wrapped up my episodes that I recorded for the podcast for my four songs that I contributed to kick us off. And then I was, uh, <laughs> I was working, I was listening to Spotify and this song came up and I just, you know, really kind of tuned in and listened to it. And I'm like, this is great. I sent it to my friend, Tim, Tim, I'm sure you're listening to this right now. Hello. And I told him, check this out. Uh, this is a song that I would, I would, I would have loved to do for our summer series, you know, maybe next time around. What do you think of it? And so we started this, um, conversation about it. And for Tim, the song made him think about community and especially what the new Testament calls, um, believers to, and, you know, carrying one another's burdens and coming alongside one another, but for me, what was standing out about this song was the um, help you lay down what you've held on to, uh, let it break you. So I was really fascinated by this idea that community um, can help us to come to a place of surrender. And so I was like, yeah, I think I think if I were to have done this song for the Psalmer series, I would have explored the concept of surrender. And, and, you know, Tim and I talked about that a little bit more and then let it, let it be. And I kept jamming out to the song. Well, then I, as I said, at the intro, some scheduling stuff came up as I'm talking to the community pastor team at the Holy District. And I realized like, oh, I I get an opportunity to jump in and, and contribute another episode. You'll hear from Brooke and Gilbert next week. And then you'll get to hear from Ellen the following week. But this week there was an open slot. So I'm like, great, I actually do get to 
go down this path a little bit more. And I sat down to start, you know, exploring that question of surrender from a, from a like Jesus centered perspective. And (laughs) y'all, I couldn't think of a single Bible verse or passage or text in all of our scripture that actually used the word surrender. Like I couldn't think of anything. And so what did I do? You know, what any seminary educated person does at this point in time, I Googled it. And (laughs) do you know that there's not a single Bible verse in the entire New Testament that uses the word surrender as like a verb that we are doing or supposed to do in the context of our relationship with Jesus. I actually, all that I could find, and if there's someone like nerdy and cool and way smarter than me out there listening to this and you know something that I don't know yet, talk to me. But all that I could find when I was doing my little exploration was the use of the word surrender in some Old Testament passages that were just like literally about surrendering to a warring enemy and kind of the terms of that or how that was going to go or who's surrendering to whom. And I just, you know, that meme of the guy with red hair where he's just kind of looking very directly and blinking a couple times because he's stunned. Like I was that meme this week. I I've just been kind of stunned. And so I've just had all these questions now because I think up until this point in my life, I'm 31 years old. I started following Jesus when I was nine. I have had this idea in my mind that surrender and a posture of surrender, surrendering to God or to Jesus was like a really central idea and really pivotal in a way of my way of thinking about my relationship to Jesus and, uh, and to God. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not here to try to blow that up for you. Like I'm not coming into this podcast doing that, but I have a lot of questions now that I'm asking and I'm just going to invite you into that process (laughs) with me. And so here's, here's where my mind went. If surrender, the word surrender really isn't there, especially in the New Testament, as we're thinking about how Jesus reveals God to us, then where does that idea come from? And that the answer to that for me, and it might be the same answer for you, is the very famous hymn, I Surrender All. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all. Y'all know that song, most likely. And so then, once again, super, uh, you know, educated person over here, I was like, well, where does that theology come from? What's the backstory of I Surrender All? So I Googled it, and it brought me to Wikipedia, which everyone knows everything on Wikipedia is true. Um, But here's what I'm reading. I'm reading it straight off of my computer right now. Um, the, The writer of I Surrender All said this of the inspiration for the text. For some time, I had struggled between developing my talents in the field of art and going into full-time evangelistic work. At last, the pivotal hour of my life came, and I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life. 
so that's that's the story. Um, Van de Venter is the the last name of the person who penned this hymn. Uh, Judson W. Van de Venter. So he was experiencing this tension between pursuing his talents in the field of art and becoming a full-time evangelist and came to a point where surrender was his decision and, and that inspired the song. And, uh, I'm really curious about that because as you know, if you've been in the Holy district atmosphere for long, we are on a journey to rediscover the sacred in the everyday. And we believe that God is at work in every kind of vocation. We don't, we believe that God is present in all of creation, reconciling everything back to God's self through Jesus. And that we have the invitation from Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to live on mission with God every day, uh, regardless of our job. And so we don't believe that only pastors or people who are in full-time ministry have the ability to carry out the rescue mission of God in partnership with Jesus. We believe that every kind of person has a unique opportunity to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God um, in their everyday lives. And so, you know, so I'm scratching my head. I'm thinking, hmm, do I do I resonate even then with the premise of the tension that birthed this song that became a, a an assumption in my theological framework? So I'm chewing on this, and this morning my husband and I were chatting over coffee. And I asked him, hey, what Bible verses do you know that talk about surrender? And he looked, he's also been to seminary and he looked at me for a second and he said, I don't know, I don't know. I think I'd have to look that up. And, and of course, some, you know, Bible verses came to mind for him about where Jesus says to lay down your life or different things like that. And and we're familiar. Those came to my mind as well. But to actually approach this topic or the the word surrender, he was drawing a blank too. So he Googled it and he's like, oh, what, what is going on? So I shared with him what I just shared with you. And we just started going down this, this pathway in our conversation of like, why what is the deal? Like, is surrender, is that really a good way for us to orient ourselves to God? And where, where do we get this idea? And is this really actually a biblical idea? And something that my husband Blake said to me today, we were talking about how the word surrender, the way that it's used in the Bible and the way that it's used kind of in the everyday world before it gets spiritualized or like, you know, become it before it becomes just like a a Christian word that takes on this whole other level of meaning is, you know, the process by which you give yourself over to the enemy or the opponent in a war situation, or where you give yourself over to a force that is greater than, than you. And typically the connotation is, is pretty negative. And I was, I was saying to Blake, you know, I think the idea of surrender connotes that God is at war with us or that God desires to conquer us and that I have 
grown up in an environment that feels at home with that image of God. And Blake said, yeah, it's like, we're so, we're so steeped in the systems of domination that it didn't even occur to us that the, this idea of surrender could be problematic. It didn't even occur to us that thinking about ourselves in relationship to God as being conquered by God and acknowledging that might be unhelpful because it's just, it's just the air that we breathe. And so now I'm meditating on this idea of a God who conquers us, a God who wars with us and a, a might is right image of God And I'm wondering, is this who Jesus reveals God to be? I, hmm, I haven't, I mean, I have the answer to that. I, I, that's not hard for me to work through. Jesus, Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus at night said that I did not come to condemn the world, but I came so that the world could be rescued through me. Jesus doesn't reveal God as a invading force coming to overwhelm and conquer us. Jesus reveals God as a vulnerable baby born to born in a scandalous situation to unwed parents in the back hills that no one knew or cared about. He didn't come as a king. He didn't start a revolution. He didn't do any of that. I mean, if if he wanted, if Jesus wanted to reveal God to us as a conqueror, he certainly had the chance to do it. Uh, and it was offered pretty explicitly to him by Satan in the wilderness during his temptation. And he said, no, that's not how I'm going to establish the reign of God on earth. And yet, this war metaphor, this this framework of oppression or domination is just so accessible to us. It's so accessible. I... I am in pastoral conversations with people all the time and I hear that war framework, that war metaphor, the utility of it seems pretty endless. Um, A lot of Christians, a lot of really beautiful, lovely, believing people that I know and I have the good um, fortune of being in relationship with, they see their lives as a war zone it's, it's a primary metaphor through which they understand their circumstances. And um, for some people, I think it might be accurate to say that they feel at war with God, that the parts of themselves that they are ashamed of and they're not proud of and they're having a hard time overcoming and transforming through that feels that that is a part of them which is at war with God who is good and holy and pure. 
and that creates a contradiction in their very soul and in their in their relationship with God or people who are very in tune with the reality of spiritual forces that are at work in our world that are at work in the power dynamics and at work in creating domination and oppression and um you know some people with a framework that is takes on a much more literal and some in a more metaphorical way, but either way, the sense of, yeah, like there's a battle going on and I'm, I'm a soldier. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle of it and it's, it's dangerous. And, you know, I'm not here to, I'm not here to say whether that's right or wrong or good or bad, really, truly. It's, it's not my concern. My main concern it is a question and it's this if if that's you if you're listening and you're like yeah that's that's what i that's what i know that's how i think i think that's true you might even be thinking of some bible verses that you know that have helped to construct this paradigm for you i i think the question that i would ask you in particular is is the war metaphor helping you and and if so how how is this framework of war serving you and I would just encourage you to contemplate that if if it is helping you great do not do not change a thing um, if it's creating a sense of fear or tension or anxiety or contradiction in you if it's leading you toward any form of disintegration or an experience of separation from God then I would just take this opportunity to give you permission to let that go. Here's why. As I have been listening to this song over and over again, and I've been just kind of stunned at the assumptions that I was carrying around about this idea of surrender and the fact that there's not actually a single Bible verse that tells me that I should surrender to God. Um, and, And looking at all the Bible verses that the internet, the interwebs say are talking about surrender. Really, what I see is invitation from Jesus to offer something. So, for example, Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are weary, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." So, you know, this idea that we would come to Jesus with our heaviness, with our burdens, and that he would make this exchange, that he would take our burdens and that he would give us a different kind of yoke, a different kind of work to do, um, and that we would be doing it with, with him. So that's not about Jesus, you know, being this opposing enemy force or being this powerful force that's overwhelming us or dominating us. It's, it's an invitation to a consensual exchange of heaviness for lightness. And that's, that's feels really different or the multiple times in the gospels where Jesus gives a teaching about self-denial that anyone who wants to follow Jesus will lay down their life, take up their cross and follow him. And so people would point to that and say, yeah, that passage is about surrender. And once again, I would just ask, where is the element of overwhelming force? Where is the 
us versus them perspective or instead is it better and more accurate to see the invitational nature to follow Jesus not to give up who we are or to give into this might is right view of God but to be compelled to do what it is that Jesus did which is to pick up his cross and follow and and go before us so that we could pick up our own crosses and follow after the person that we claim as our Lord and Savior. It it feels important to me to to reflect on this. And even even as I'm meditating myself, I'm thinking about the idea that God is dangerous. That God is powerful. That God is God. That I I'm not I'm not abandoning that idea and I I don't know that I even want to or need to. God is this dangerous powerful force of life in which Everything, I believe, everything that is, exists because of this wildly uncontrollable, dangerous, powerful being that we cannot comprehend. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm saying these words, but I, I don't even know exactly what they mean. And I was thinking about this. I was driving to Target to get diapers for Alexi and I was thinking about what am I going to say on this podcast? And it is true that God is a more powerful force than us. So is, is surrender is surrender of a, a you know helpful way to think about my relationship to God. And I was praying about it and I was asking God for clarity and for wisdom and for insight. And here is what I think Jesus said to me on my drive home. I think this is what Jesus told me. Yes, I am dangerous. I am not dangerous to you, but I am dangerous to sin. What is dangerous about God is that God is a consuming fire that burns up everything that is impure, everything that is inconsistent with God. But the thing is, is that you and I were made in the image of God. And so to the degree that we have surrendered ourselves to the ways of this world and to the powers of sin, those parts of us, those, those things that we hold to, those things that we go to, those things are in danger when we come into contact with God. Those things are in danger, but we are not. We are God's children. We are the object of God's rescue mission and all of creation. But it's, it's sin and injustice that's the problem, and it's sin and injustice that is in danger in the presence of God. And, and this is where I come back to the song that started me down this meditation to begin with in the opening line of the first verse, it says this world can take you, 
need an arm around your neck, someone you can talk to. This, the song goes on to talk about, you know, being in a position where you've lost everything. Like it does feel, it's a very out of control thing to be alive. (laughs) And the world is broken and is breaking us. The, the, the accuser, Satan, sin, death, the enemy. Yes. Those, those things we do have an enemy and our enemy is sin and death and powers and principalities that perpetuate systems of injustice. Yes. Those things are seeking to break us. And I think that this war metaphor has become helpful because we want to feel like there's something that we can do about that. So we fight, we fight and we fight and we fight. And listening to the song is just making me really curious about that. As I listen to this song and this, the songwriter inviting me to say, yes, this is what the world is like. And here I am to tell you the truth. Here I am to put my arm around your neck. Here I am to be with you in the midst of it. And because you're not alone, and because you don't have to go through this by yourself, you can actually let it break you you can actually release the things that you've been trying to hold on to. The song makes me think that God gives us each other so that we can be broken by the reality of our world. And in the process of being broken, we come to terms with our powerlessness to achieve worth, meaning, healing, transformation, any of those things on our own. In that process, as we we lay down or offer up the things that we're holding on to, we can actually experience resurrection. We can actually experience new creation. And, and honestly, this, this is the paradigm that I see throughout the whole entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, is the, the framework of creation, rebellion, decreation, new creation. Creation, rebellion, brokenness, death, new creation. Life, death, resurrection. This is just on repeat from page one until we get to new creation on the very last page. I'm just wondering about finding a more helpful way to think about the process through which we come to terms 
with our powerlessness. And I'm wondering if there's a way to think about that in relationship to God that doesn't pit God against us as our overwhelming enemy or as a conquering force, but rather as our rescuer who is inviting us into a community where we can, where we can tell the truth, where we can put down our swords, where we can stop fighting and just start following. I mean, really, what if, what if you could just stop fighting? I don't, I don't know if you're fighting or who you might be fighting. If you're fighting yourself, if you're fighting God, if you're fighting Satan. What if you could stop fighting? What if you could trust God enough to let yourself be broken? To know that that is not failure, but that it's, it could be an alignment with the way that things really are. It could be your next step toward new creation. It could be the thing between you and experiencing resurrection and newness of life. You've been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and you're tired. Can we dare to believe that our primary disposition in the life of faith is not one of fighting but of resting and trust and being rescued by the Prince of Peace? At the end of verse 2 in this song, the singer says, After losing it all, I've got nothing left to lose. Let it break you. Let it help you lay down what you've held on to. And I think I'll wrap up today's podcast by just saying, Man, that sounds a lot to me like Matthew 16, 24 through 26, when Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, maybe you've been doing this thing thinking that it's your job to fight for your life. And maybe this episode is for you. Just a little invitation to say, what if you could just lose? And somehow in the process of losing by laying it down, by letting it break you, 
that you would get something in exchange that you can't even understand or fathom. If that sounds weird and upside down and counter culture and subversive and ludicrous, then I think we're probably in the realm of what it means to say that Jesus is Lord. I think we might be working our way toward the upside-down kingdom that Jesus inaugurated in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. But what do I know? Up until yesterday, I thought that we were supposed to be surrendered to Jesus. <laughs> Been a friend of trouble After losing it all Well, thanks for letting me come back and chat a little bit more. As always, I really want to know what you think about this. If you disagree with me totally and completely, and you know something that I don't, email me, erica at holydistrict.org, E-R-I-C-K-A at holydistrict.org. Or if you're just thinking about stuff differently now, I would love, I would love to chat with you. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Rediscover Sacred. You can head up our DMs, like, follow us, that kind of a thing. I'm really signing off this time. You'll get to hear from Community Pastor Brooke next week and then Ellen the week following as they help us wrap up our Psalmish series. I'm sure you're going to love it. And I love that you're part of the Holy District Network. The Holy District is a network of people who are dedicating their lives to grassroots, Jesus-centered community building. We're trying to rediscover the sacred and the everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play. And we're so grateful that you are along on the journey. 